Welcome to the Jesus Calling Podcast. Today's guests strive for excellence in all areas of their lives and are top competitors in their respective sports. Michael Chandler is a professional mixed martial artist who has been fighting for almost 10 years. Bursting onto the MMA scene in 2010, Michael was successful in 12 consecutive wins, including three in the Bellator tournament, becoming the season four lightweight tournament champion. Michael recognizes that the fight isn't only about his skill as a mixed martial artist, but that all of us are fighting every day for our families, for our friends, and for our faith. He strives to carry himself as a man of God and an example of strength and discipline as he uses his platform to reach people for Christ. My name is Michael Chandler. I'm a professional mixed martial artist. I've been fighting now for almost 10 years. Um, I live in Nashville, Tennessee. For me, growing up was a lot of fun. Um, I was uh, the oldest of three boys, so you can imagine our life was very hectic. Our house was very loud, very chaotic. My, all, three of my, all three of us, me and my two brothers, kind of have very similar personalities, all very, very active and rambunctious. My parents both worked two jobs to make sure that we had every opportunity that we needed. Uh, we were always in sports, we were always in activities. We had always, uh, we're having big family parties and get-togethers. My dad's a carpenter, my mother was a secretary, and worked at a, my grandpa's restaurant. My dad would pick up side jobs in the, in the, on the weekends. And if we weren't in the woods or on, the, on some kind of sports field somewhere, we were at, at home causing ruckus and wrestling and pulling out the mattresses and getting in wrestling matches and all that kind of stuff. So it was very fun, very chaotic. We grew up Catholic. We went to Catholic Mass on Sundays and we, we did our First Holy Communion and we did our confirmation and all that kind of stuff. And then um, that was till eighth grade. And then for a couple of years we still went, but there wasn't that, that structure. And then um, right about the time I was a freshman, um, maybe sophomore, I got invited to a spirit-filled church in um, in St. Louis with my friend Kenny Bowen, who I wrestled with, and he just he just just like most most of us who end up going to church, we got invited by a friend, you know, somebody that we trusted, someone that we someone that um, that we knew was that we that we liked, or, or there was something attractive about that person. And Kenny Bowen was one of those guys. He was a he was a leader, and he was he was he was nice to people, and he was and he was athletic, and he was accomplished, but he was also one of the most one of the coolest, most humble human beings I'd ever met. And I was like, man, heck yeah, I'll go, let's go, you know? So I started going to the youth group every week on Wednesdays and, and Kenny would pick me up and we would go and it was a lot of fun and I would come back home and tell my parents about it, my brothers about it. And then before you know it, my brothers wanted to go to the youth group. So we started going and then my parents started seeing, uh, you know, how much we liked it. And they said, well, hey, let's start going on Sundays. So then we started going to church on Sundays as a family and that's where it was right there in St. Louis, Twin Rivers um, Ministries. You know, for me, I can sit here and say that I'm a world champion and, a, and a, the man I am today because of how hard I've worked. And I have worked extremely hard and I have, I have done a lot of the necessary steps to make sure that I am successful. But without two amazingly hardworking parents who taught me, I was just taught from the very beginning, but before I knew how to walk, my parents were instilling in me the hard work, you know, and hard work determination and achievement. You know, if you work hard, you do the right things, you're going to achieve big things. And when I was a hundred pounds and five foot tall as a freshman in high school. I, football and basketball wasn't exactly going to be my strong suit, but I did play football, but I was, you know, the smallest guy on the team and didn't really play much, but wrestling was where I knew I was going to excel. My dad was a wrestler. Um, and you know, backing up, my, my dad actually had to quit wrestling because his parents said either get a job or walk to school, you know? So I think it was that also that burning desire for both of my parents to make sure that 
all of us kids had an opportunity to, to do great things in sports. But um, wrestling was was something I knew I was going to excel at. I wanted to do it because my dad did it. I was, uh, you know, I started as a freshman and, and and went to state and went to state all four years, but kind of fell short every single year. And even my senior year, I was ranked number one going into the state finals and lost in the state finals and kind of thought my wrestling career was was going to be kind of shattered because I wasn't a state champion you know and it was that it was that desire to to continue to prove my to prove to myself that I could be a champion that kind of carried myself into to college wrestling and um went to Mizzou walked on to Mizzou and um you know everybody around me kept asking me why why are you going to go try to wrestle division one why are you going to go to a school that you know you probably can't start at why why don't you just take this scholarship to the Division II school or the NAIA school or the junior college and you can maybe start, maybe you can become an All-American or a national champion. So I knew when I went into college, I wasn't just going to major in wrestling. You know, a lot, a lot of guys on the team were coasting and, you know, majoring in general education or, or undecided in this and that. But, you know, I wanted to find, I wanted to find a degree, um, a program that, that was really going to benefit me, you know. And, and for a while, I wanted to own my own financial firm. I wanted to, to handle people's finances. I wanted to learn for myself about real estate, about, about personal finances, about the stock market and about bond, stocks and bonds and all this kind of stuff because that's, that's something that we don't learn. So I chose a hard major because I, I knew it was going to better me as a person, better me as a man, and, and I tried my hardest to get good grades because that's what, that's what my parents taught me. This isn't a 40- or 50-year career. This is a 10-, 15-year career, and it's, it's about that long. On, it's a blip on the radar of, of your full life, so you only get a very short amount of time to make the best decisions you possibly can with the information that you have. There was this burning desire in me that I knew that if I was going to wrestle, I wanted to wrestle at the highest level, and I wanted to put myself out there. And, um, really go for go for that that big goal you know the the biggest goal i could possibly go for and it was it was scary um but walked onto the team became a starter as a freshman and uh was a four-time starter four-time all uh four-time national qualifier and all-american my senior year you know i think like anything you're just thrown into the fire in college wrestling and it's in its college wrestling has made me very much maybe the man i am today and it's that it's those four walls and that roof where you're stuck in that pressure cooker of a of a of a situation where it's it's dog eat dog and it's may the best man win and you know I came in as you know I think I came in with like 12 guys um, at my uh, in my recruiting class and fast forward to graduation day there was only about four or five of us left but through that with of those 12 guys probably six or eight of them were state champions from from different schools Pennsylvania and North Carolina and New York and California and they were all state champions and. Here was this little guy from Missouri who was kind of a failure, and you know he worked really hard, but he and he wasn't that ta but he and he wasn't that talented, but you know he hadn't he didn't have those accolades, he didn't have those gold medals, he didn't have those state championship rings, he didn't have those those pictures of him on the podium, and and he wasn't the big man on campus. He was he was a guy who kind of came in and and really had to prove himself, and and through grit and through determination. Coach Brian Smith was the head coach, and you know. We, he, he and I had, didn't really have a conversation at all. He didn't say two words to me the first 365 days I was there. You know, I was kind of that, and rightfully so. You know, he's trying to run, trying to run a, a top 10 wrestling program, and I was one of those guys who needed to prove myself before I deserved to be, to be looked at, deserved to be taken seriously as an as a athlete. And uh, just through hard work and, and always being available, always being the last guy to leave and the first guy to show up, um, I got noticed and I knocked off the, the guy who was ahead of me and became a starter. So mixed martial arts is, it sounds, 
I mean, it is, it's a brutal sport. You know, it's, uh, it's one man versus another man or one woman versus another woman inside of a cage. There's, there's rules and there's a lot of things you can't do, but pretty much it's a no holds barred type of fight. And there's, there's a mixture of boxing and kickboxing and wrestling and grappling and submissions. And um, there's the ground game and there's the stand up game and it's, there's knockouts and there's submissions and there's decisions just like boxing. Um, and you know, for, for me, it's, it's a brutal sport. It's a, it's a bloody sport at times. And now it's kind of very much transitioned into a mainstream sport with a lot of, a lot of rules. And you see guys like myself who I didn't have to fight. You know, I could have used my degree. I got my college degree. I could have went off into the business world, but I decided that, that I was being called in this direction to be able to be put on a platform to be able to reach people. And it just so happens that I'm pretty, pretty good at it. So I decided to fight and the rest is history. The crazy thing about mixed martial arts is, I mean, I feel like I'm a pretty normal, humble, fun-loving guy. You know, we can sit here and we have a conversation. I could tell a joke, we could laugh, and you can see that I'm a kind of a normal guy. But when you see me in the cage, it's there's there's something different. You know, I'm, you see that, you see that warrior spirit. You see that, you see that tenacity. You see that meanness come out. And as soon as the fight is over. I go back to my normal, my normal self, you know, and, and there's, and it's not necessarily, I've never looked at a fight like I want to go in there and I want to hurt somebody or I want to do this or I want to do that. I want to simply score points and I want to finish the fight as dominant as possible because that's what God put, put me on this earth to do. Even the sport of mixed martial arts in the last 10 years has grown tenfold. It's the fastest growing sport in the world. It's on big networks like Spike TV and Fox and Fox Sports One and they're still doing million, million pay-per-view buys and all those, kind of, all those kinds of things in this sport because people are drawn to this sport. And with that comes that, comes that platform that, that all of us get, you know? Um, I've spoken at churches, I've spoken at men's conferences, I've spoken at all kinds of things. There's, 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 not, there's not a certain demographic of this sport anymore. It used to be the, you know, the 18 to 30 year old males who were, you know, maybe who loved violence or loved or diehard sports fans. But now you got, I can't tell you how many fans I've come to like, oh, you're my grandpa or my grandma's favorite fighter. Or, oh, you're, you're my mom's favorite fighter. Or, oh, my wife, she, she loves you. Can she, can she take a picture with you? Or, oh, my kids, they, they watch it all the time. They're your favorite, you're, they, you are they, their favorite fighter. And it's, it just goes to show you that this sport has grown. And with that growth comes platforms. And with that platform comes, comes impact on people. I think the MMA environment is no bit no different than being a firefighter or being a being a, a policeman or being in being in business or a stock in the stock exchange on Wall Street. I mean, you're around men, you're around you're you're around you're you're living in a fallen world. You know, I mean just just there's there's no more crazy, insane, nasty guys in MMA as there is in any other industry, you know, especially especially these days. I mean, you're seeing so many, so many more people get into this sport because they love the sport, not because they love to fight. You know, I mean, there's, I, I look at myself like a, like a dominant athlete who wants to go out there and put on a dominant performance. But like I said, I'm, I'm not in there to, to hurt anybody or, or show my manhood by, by beating somebody up, you know. Um, it's just part of the sport and it's, and it's part of the A plus B equals C, the black and white, these are the rules and this is what you have to do to go out there and win and that's what I do. So there is always that like, well, how are you a Christian and, and you're gonna beat people up? If I can reach people, by doing what I do, even though what I do might not be the way that you look at a Christian or the way that you think a Christian man should act or the way, the way, the kind of activities that a Christian man should engage in. You know, who, who are you to, to, to look at that and say, I'm doing something wrong when thousands and hundreds of thousands of people are being impacted. I can't tell you how many, how many messages I get, how many people come up to me face to face, how many people I meet that say, man, 
I love the way you carry yourself. I love that you are a, a warrior and a fighter, but you're also a man of faith and you're also a, a, a devoted husband and a de devoted father. So if, we can be, if I can be a husband and a father and a Christian man and have a platform to be able to reach people and then also take that platform and use it inside of a cage in front of millions of people and see how the ups and downs and the, the wins and the losses and the pain and the anguish and the triumph of this crazy MMA career can reach people. You know, losing a fight the way that I lost the title was in some ways very, very tough, but in other ways easier than losing a legitimate fight, if you will. You know, losing, losing a fight because of an injury is, sometimes you just chalk it up to bad luck, sometimes you just chalk it up as a, a loss and a learning experience, you know? I mean, the way, the way that I lost it, and it is crazy though to, to, to talk to the heads of Bellator and talk to people in the MMA world and, and see, the, um, see the reaction from so many fans and see, see the messages pouring in and all that kind of stuff. I feel like I gained more fans and gained more clout and more respect in the sport by losing that fight than I did if I would have won. You know, being, literally being dis disabled in, in the cage with my left leg, the bottom half of my left leg literally paralyzed and I couldn't, I couldn't move and my ankle kept rolling and my opponent was going after the leg and going after the leg and going after the leg, but just standing in front of him and telling him to kick it, looking him in the eyes and say, go ahead, kick it. Almost like that just kind of warrior, that, that warrior mentality of, you're gonna have to kill me to, to get me out of here. And I still landed the biggest punch in the fight. I still think, and swear up and down that I would have won that fight on one leg had the ref not stepped in there. You know, so it just gave me an opportunity. I've I've shown my power, I've shown my I've shown my toughness through tough fights. I've shown my athleticism. I've shown my my dynamic my, my dynamicness and I've shown how excited I am. But that was another opportunity to show how tough I am and how resilient I am and how unafraid I am. And that's something that that men need to see, you know, and that's something that that if if I have to take a loss to show tens of thousands of people that no matter what you're going through, no matter, no matter how disabled you feel, no matter how down in the dumps or how deep in the valley you are, your best days and blessed days are still out ahead of you. And if you keep fighting, good things are gonna happen. So many people watch and they see, and they see how we carry ourselves and they see the lives that we live and they see the accomplishments that we have and, and it gives them permission to go out and do great things. It gives them permission to believe in themselves and believe that they were made, created in the image of an almighty God and they deserve to be winners. We were put on this earth to accomplish great things and that's, that's what I'm trying to do and I've looked at myself too small way too many times and I've continued to build myself up and try to get, get myself to a, a place where I am accomplishing such great things that so many people can be impacted by it. I mean, what, what an awesome scenario and, and, and what, a great, what a great way to, to live out my testimony and have a platform. In life, we always talk about how busy we are, you know, and, and people always think I'm so busy and, and you know, and, and I, I never, I try to never use that as a crutch of, well, I can't do this because I'm so busy, you know. There's so many men and women who have accomplished so many more things than I have with way busier schedules than I have. And if you can wake up every morning knowing that someone's outworking you and someone has less time than you, but they're doing more than you, and you keep that hunger and that motivation, uh, you're gonna do great things. And so I've always tried to hold myself to that high standard of make time, for yourself, make time for your faith, make time for your family, make time for your sport, make time for your, for your, for your future. Um, so having the, the Jesus Calling devotional with me, having, even when I'm traveling, you know, and I don't have my big thick study Bible, I can pop open the Bible app on my phone. I mean, these days in 2017, there is absolutely no excuse for not staying built up, not getting fed every single day, whether it's YouTube, whether it's some website, whether it's your favorite motivational speaker, whether it's a podcast, whether it's, whether it's, 
uh, paperback book. Um, there's no shortage of information and uplifting material out there. Um, and Jesus Calling is one of the cornerstones of my life. I first heard of Jesus Calling because my good friend Jeff Broin, uh, who owns Poet Energy up in South Dakota, they're one of my sponsors, American Ethanol. Um, he sent us, myself and all the American Ethanol team, a Christmas gift, and it was the Jesus Calling devotional. And I've had it now for a couple years, and, and it's crazy to, to, to read it, remember reading it back, you know, the first year that I got it, and now fast forward a couple years, and now I'm married for a couple years now, and I have a son, and, and I'm, you know, I've been through some ups and some downs in my career, and, and my different perspective of, of what that devotional was the first year and what it is now. You know, it's God's Word is the same yesterday, today, and forever, you know, so that first day that I read it compared to now, my perspective has changed. My, my outlook on life has changed in certain ways. And the words on those pages have impacted me in different ways. So um, that's how I got introduced to it. And it's, a, it's such an awesome, versatile, uplifting, daily ritual that I like to have. You know, it's, if, if I can open that book and I read it um, and certain thing gets spoken to me in my, in my brain or in my spirit, and it can kind of that one, one word can change your day for the better, you know, or, or change your perspective for the better. And um, that's uh, it's kind of part of my daily routine. November 16th. As you look at the day before you, you see a twisted, complicated path with branches going off in all directions. You wonder how you can possibly find your way through this maze. Then you remember the one who is with you always, holding you by your right hand. You recall my promise to guide you with my counsel, and you begin to relax. As you look again at the path ahead of you, you notice that a peaceful fog has settled over it, obscuring your view. You can only see a few steps in front of you, so you turn your attention more fully to me and begin to enjoy my presence. The fog is a protection for you, calling you back into the present moment. Although I inhabit all of the space and time, you can communicate with me only here and now. Someday the fog will no longer be necessary, for you will have learned to keep your focus on me and on the path just ahead of you. Psalm 73, 23, and 24. 1 Corinthians 13, 12. If you can focus on responding to life instead of just reacting to life and respond like a champion and just continue that faith and that, that belief that good things are gonna happen to you uh, and you can win the fight, even if you lose the first round or you lose the second round or you lose the third round, you lose the fourth round, you know you can t continue that in the later rounds or next year or the year after or the, the decade after. If you continue to put in the work, if you continue to, to be the best person you possibly can and the best version, version of yourself, your best days are gonna be out ahead of you. I look at myself like a guy who, who loves to train, who loves to live his life right, who loves to be a husband, loves to be a father, and you know, if I can help lead and help, help uh, kind of talk to people about the way I live my life, it's a, it's a bonus. And I wanna to continue to get big fights and continue to win fights and continue to prove that whether you're winning, whether you're losing, um, you're gonna conduct yourself uh, like a leader and like, like a man and um, that's what I want to do and I want to inspire and motivate people until uh, as long as God will let this body hold up, I want to continue to fight and continue to do great things. To find out more about Michael Chandler, please visit michaelchandler.com. We'll be right back with more of the Jesus Calling podcast after this message about a free offer from Jesus Calling. Are you looking for a way to keep track of your daily prayers along with Jesus Calling? The Jesus Calling Family Prayer Calendar goes right along with your daily readings from Jesus Calling. Each day begins with a guided reflection, followed by a space for you to fill in your prayers of thanksgiving and special requests. 
You can get your free Jesus Calling Family Prayer Calendar by visiting jesuscalling.com slash offers. Visit jesuscalling.com slash offers to download your free family prayer calendar today. Our next guest is Steele Lafferty, who's considered to be the best wakeboarder in the world. As well as winning first place at the Nationals, Lafferty dominated the Masters and PWT wakeboard competitions, gaining huge credibility among his peers along the way. Steele pushes himself to be the best by not only competing, but by creating innovative wakeboard challenges for himself with never-before-seen wakeboard moves. Wakeboarding since he was 12 and competing since he was 14, Steele found himself in the spotlight at a very young age. The faith modeled to him by his family has kept him grounded, and his priorities in life are Jesus first, family second, and wakeboarding. I'm Steele Lafferty. I'm 25 years old, professional wakeboarder. I live in Orlando, Florida. I grew up in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. I have an amazing family. Um, and we grew up just like doing everything together sports, going to church. My faith was everything in my upbringing, and um, my family based everything back to, to Jesus and God and, and um, in church, you know, and, gr- and, and growing up in a very loving and God-first environment. Um, and that is huge for me because um, it gives me something to fall back on and, and to look forward to as well, and like just something I can always stay in, you know? It's my constant. I grew up wakeboarding um, on the water the whole time, on the boat, you know, and just get out of bond like that with my family and friends. So that's kind of my childhood. And um, it was a bit different for me because I was, I was uh, when, when I was 10, started wakeboarding just for fun. My dad brought a wakeboard home. He's like, this is a new cool thing, you know, and um, started doing that and uh, kind of just clicked when I was about 12 and I was like, I want to do this professionally. I didn't even know you could do something like that professionally, right? It was just like one of those weird things, like a fun thing to be on the boat. And I was like, I want to do it professionally. So my parents backed me 100% or like, whatever you want to do, we got you and um, we know you can do it. They were um, so supportive of what I wanted to do um, wakeboarding wise. And uh, yeah, I mean, when you're 12, you really don't know what you want to do, but I just, I wanted to quit everything else. Like, I was just like, I, I played uh, uh, baseball, soccer, tennis, a bunch of other sports, and I was just like, I just want to wakeboard. And they're like, all right, like, go for it. So um, they backed me. It kind of wasn't even a doubt in my mind. Like, I just knew that's what I'm doing. Like, this is now what, like, my career is. Like, I started when I was 12. I think what it was is just like, that freedom, like you're behind a boat, it's you, the water, and like you just kind of forget about everything else. You have the freedom to pretty much do whatever you want on your board. Like there's no one telling you this is how you score points. This is how this works. This is your team. You know, it's like it's me out there, and I just like I loved that, and um, I got good at it pretty quick, and, and I liked the progression of it, and my brothers were good at it, so I got to compete against them with it, and I progressed a little faster than them, so I liked that even better. <laughs> and um, yeah, and then one day I just kind of was like, it clicked, and it started all coming together, and I fell in love. I qualified for the Junior Pro Tour, right? And and you can qualify when you turn four. You have to be at least fourteen to qualify, and I qualified at fourteen, which is really cool. Um, and it there was no jealousy with my friends or my family. It was all just like 
excitement or that's how I perceived it <laughs> you know I don't I don't I'm not sure that age but like I could tell everyone was happy for me and um that's kind of where everything kind of changed for me as um an athlete and a student is like um wakeboarding was like one of the first things you know like god family wakeboarding and then everything else you know so it kind of got pushed up in the list and um a lot of traveling a lot of missing school and having to do homework in the car rides to tournaments and stuff like that, um, which is cool, but completely different than a lot of people's childhood. My school, Westminster Academy down in Fort Lauderdale, they worked with me and made it pretty much possible for me to miss a lot of school, but stay up with the work. And um, they're, uh, they're a good school. It's a small private Christian school, and they really helped me um, be able to go to these contests you know, without having to worry about if I'm going to fail chemistry or something, which I almost did, <laughs> but I made it through. Um, but yeah, it, uh, it's a definitely a balancing act, but I was able to get through it. There's been a lot of firsts uh, for me and for the sport of wakeboarding. And something that's big for me is to be like an innovator in my sport and um, progress wakeboarding to the next level with tricks and, and whatever else it is. But um, Recently, it's been with tricks, and when I was 16, I landed the first ever wake to wake 1080. So that's three rotations, passing the handle, a one, two, three, four. I don't know. It's a lot of times. I can't even count. But um, but yeah, and then you land with the handle behind your back, and I was the first ever to do that, and I was 16, which was like wild. Um, I just started. I just learned how to drive a car, and I'm inventing tricks on a wakeboard. So that was super cool. So with wakeboarding in any sport, I mean, things can stay stagnant. And it's so easy for someone to not want to push the boundaries of anything, really, because you get comfortable. And when you get comfortable um, in, you know, a sport, that's when it just gets plateaued. And to always, like, wanting to push and, and take something to the next level is kind of what drives me. Because I love to see progression and, and to be able to, like, be in the history books, kind of like leave my footprint in wakeboarding, that's how I'm doing it, is by innovating and creating new tricks. So when people think back, um, oh, the Del Mumo, Steel did that first, you know, it's kind of cool to just know that that's there. In wakeboarding, it's a bit, um, in any sport really, in action sports especially, it's, you know, it's tough. Like there's a lot of partying. That's the hardest thing about my sport is, is there's a lot of partying, there's, um, a lot of stuff you can get mixed up in. And um, there's a lot of good people in wakeboarding as well, though, and in action sports. And if you surround yourself with the right people, it's easy to not get caught up in it. And I mean, I think it's fine to go out and have fun with your friends, you know, and, and celebrate a, a good day or a good week or something and um, have fun, but, you know, still glorify God in what you do. And, and um, yeah, so I think there's a good balance that you have to find. And, really surround yourself with the right people because if you're out there doing it alone, there's no way you can do it, you know? Like, it's hard to want to stay in the Word and, and, and do it when you have these opportunities to go party with, you know, crazy people. <laughs> so you really got to find your the right group of people. It's just awesome to have a base that I have with my family and with always, like, kind of growing up in church. And and trust me, like, for a few years, like, I, I didn't want to go to church and I didn't want to do the whole Christian thing like and I didn't fall out of my faith I always believed God and Jesus but 
I um, it took a little bit of like you know falling down and making a bunch of mistakes to really like be like, all right, God, you're really in control, you know. And whenever I'm in the Word, things are going way better. And whenever I'm out of the Word, I feel like I'm like scrambling, like to like figure out what's going on and why is this happening and why am I so stressed out? Why I have so much anxiety? So just to really think on like, hey, still, when you're in the Word things are good. Like you're happy. You understand what's going on. And whenever you start in, I find this um, kind of hard too, is like whenever you're doing really well, whenever you're at your top, you kind of lose track of like why you got there. And, and you're like, okay, cool. Everything's going good. I don't need to be in the word. You don't think to yourself, I don't need to be in the word, but it just kind of like fades out, you know? And I think God always has something that hits you and says, hey, you're not in the word, like, come back to me. Like, I want you in my, in, in the word, you know, and I want you start praying again, you know? So, um, something always happens and it could be a little thing. It could be a big thing, but he always gets me back. And, um, and then I realize everything is better when I'm, <laughs> when I'm reading about him and talking to him more. Sometimes it's hard staying in the word and a devotional is an easy way to do it and, um, gets you thinking and, and it's not just you're reading the Bible with no reference to anything. Jesus Calling, I heard a little bit about it, and um, my good friend Brian White hit me up and said, hey, are you in Jesus Calling? I was like, oh, no, I mean, I've been looking for a devotional, and so um, he sent me the book, and I actually read, I felt guilty because I read more than what I was supposed to read. I was like, should I, can I just catch up to like where I am? Like, sometimes you're just feeling it, you know, and you want to you wanna learn, you want to read, you want to stay in. Um, but yeah, I let, I read uh, a, a lot of the devotionals and it's easy. It, it really is. It makes it easy for you to want to read um, and stay in the word and pray. And it's something that you can just wake up and be like, all right, I'm going to have breakfast. I'm going to read Jesus calling, pray. And it's, you can just start your day off with it, you know, because, and I think it's, it's good to always start it in the morning for me at least, um, just because I can like, Remember that right when I wake up, you know, God loves me. Here's the passage. This is what I can work on today, you know, and that's with me throughout the whole day. September 29th, first off, my grandma's going to love this. She's going to listen to this devotional every morning now, probably. Um, so this is for you. <laughs> I am with you and all around you, encircling you in golden rays of light. I always behold your face to face. Not one of your thoughts escapes my notice because I am infinite. I'm able to love you as if you and I were the only ones in the universe. Wow, that's cool. Can I talk about that for a second? Like, that's cool. Like, if you really think about that, like, there's so many people in the world, and, like, he's telling you right there, like, I can love you like there's no one else, like, in the world, like, just me and you. Like, let's get this going. Walk with me in intimate love steps, but do not lose sight of my majesty. I desire to be your closest friend, yet I'm also your sovereign Lord. I created your brain with the capacity to know me as a friend and Lord simultaneously. Wow, that's cool. The human mind is the pinnacle of my creation, but so few use it for the primary purpose of knowing me. I communicate continually through my spirit, my word, and my creation. Only humans are capable of receiving me and responding to my presence. You are indeed fearfully and wonderfully made. That's awesome. And then the verses to go along with that are Psalm uh, 34, 4 through 7, 2 Peter 1, 16 through 17, John 17, 3, and Psalm 139, 14.
that's so cool though like because if you really think about like the brain and how it's made and everything like you think about like how we were created like there has to be a creator i think the most spiritual for me is this like when i go ride and we call it the golden hour we call it the golden hour because it's like when the sun's dropping and it just lights up the whole lake gold right it's incredible so i'm out there riding on this like it looks like a lake of gold you know when the when the sun is right there and um that's kind of like when i see like how beautiful like god's creation is you know and i'm just like i look around me and i'm just like how can there not be a god look at this it's all about giving my glory back to God, right? It's really not for me, even though like I land on I'm like, yeah, I just did that. Like <laughs> at the end of the day, like it's God that wanted me here, you know, and, and it, he preordained it. And uh, you know, like I'm doing kind of what he set out for me to do. So um, to say like, I've done all this by myself is so wrong, you know, cause I've had so much help and God's put so many people in my life to get me to where I am. It's been, uh, really just a crazy ride and been having a lot of fun you know just traveling the world and wakeboarding and making a living that way and um, sharing what God has done for me with as many people as I can just knowing like um, I have a creator that is is graceful and, and uh, forgiving is incredible you can check out Steel Lafferty and some of his wakeboarding videos at steellafferty.com Next time on the Jesus Calling Podcast, we have a special guest returning to the podcast. Roma Downey is the beloved star of the classic hit TV series, Touched by an Angel. She and her husband Mark have been a force for faith in Hollywood with faith-centered productions that have touched millions. Roma has now written a book entitled Box of Butterflies, Discovering the Unexpected Blessings All Around Us. Roma shares what discovering unexpected blessings has looked like in her own life. So many years ago, um, when I was just 10 years of age, my mother unexpectedly died. And as a child, it was an incredibly traumatic event, heartbreaking event, as you can imagine. And my father took me up to the city cemetery in Derry, my hometown. Um, we brought up a bunch of pansies because those were her favorite flowers. She always said they looked like little butterflies. And as I knelt down to place a bunch of pansies on her grave, a real butterfly flew up from behind the tombstone. And my father said, would you look at that wee butterfly there? That could be your mother's spirit. And when I tell you that that pierced the darkness and brought me so much comfort as a child to think that I wasn't alone, that I wasn't having to deal with this loss by myself, and that God was with me. Do you love hearing great stories of faith each week via the Jesus Calling podcast? We want to hear from you. If you haven't already subscribed to the Jesus Calling podcast, visit the Jesus Calling page at iTunes.com and hit the subscribe button. While you're there, we'd love for you to leave us a review and tell us how you feel about the show and what future guests you'd love to see. Your reviews and subscription help us share these stories of faith to more people who need the hope and encouragement of Jesus Calling. If you have your own story to share, we'd love to hear from you. Visit JesusCalling.com to share your story today.